Hey friends, you know I love a good story, especially when it's a God story that encourages, inspires, and equips us in our walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Welcome. I am so glad you tuned in. Have you heard about our Her God Story podcast clubs? You know that you can start one? It's easy. Just gather together a few friends, neighbors, or colleagues to talk and encourage each other in your journey of faith. It's very simple. Listen to the same podcast, download our prepared episode questions from hergodstory.org, and then discuss over your favorite refreshments. It's also a great way to reach out to friends who might not know Christ yet. Include them in the conversation and see what God will do. Gather some friends and try it out. When you do, email us at prayer at somebodycares.org to let us know so we'll be praying for you. Have you ever experienced God? Maybe you're wondering what I even mean by that. Well, Ephesians 3, 19 in the New Living Translation says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Experiencing God's love is experiencing God, for God is love. There are so many ways that God expresses his love to us, and we experience it when we have eyes to recognize his love working in our lives. My guest, Linda Morrison, loves to experience God and chooses to focus on his goodness in the midst of every situation. As a housewife and mother of two, Linda learned the joy of spending time with the Lord. Eventually, God asked Linda to start a volunteer prayer line that now receives calls and texts from all 50 states, and catch this, 61 countries around the world. The prayer line Linda started, Serve Somebody Cares, as well as various other ministries. And God has done some amazing things through it. I know you're going to enjoy hearing from Linda some of those testimonies, as well as her own. So welcome, Linda. Well, thank you. I am so honored to be here, Jody. I always admired you as a person, and I love serving Somebody Cares America. Um, served with Somebody Cares Tampa Bay as well, and, and I still do, and it's just an honor. I love what you guys do. Great ministry in itself. Well, it has been a fabulous partnership, uh, being able to have 24-7 prayer and text line for people to call in, and uh, we've had a lot of wonderful testimonies, which we're going to get to a little bit later But Linda, share about your family and what shaped you and your faith in the early years of your life. Well, I was born a Catholic, and I say this honestly, I do not remember a day in my life I didn't love Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean I had a personal relationship with him or had given my life to him, but I loved him. I believed in the cross and in the blood of Jesus. I I believed in the, I just believed, 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 wore my little cross, and as a Catholic, said my little Hail Marys and went to confession and all of those things you're supposed to do and went to Catholic school. Um was terrified of the nuns, terrified. If you knew me, if I was just actually sharing this with my daughter today, if you'd known me as a little girl, you would never think I would be doing what I'm doing today. I would sit back in the corner and literally bite my nails and pray they didn't call on me. I just did not want to be called and I never, ever wanted to get into trouble. I was really sold out for that. <laughs> so, yeah, totally different person. But um, I did learn to really love Jesus, to be obedient, and to honor God. And that, I think, is some of the things that were good things from the Catholic Church, is that you do honor God, and at least I did. 
Um, I always love to pray for other people. And when people would tell me about their prayer requests, I love to talk to God about them. But I never knew if God was going to answer my prayers. That is the difference. I always felt like I was a little pauper out there with a little tin cup outside the king's castle. And I knew the king was good. And I knew the king was loving. But would he put a quarter in my cup? I didn't know. Maybe he just passed by. So, yes, I believe prayer in prayer. But did it work? Mm, I wasn't so sure that I would get my answers. And um, so that was a that was a, a really a special time in the sense that I that I never really felt like God was really with me. I felt like He was way up there and omnipresent and and oh so awesome, but He wasn't really in my heart. Uh, and and something else that's very interesting, being a young Catholic, I wanted I was when I was getting ready to go to college. I lived very close to Pepperdine in Malibu Beach. And I don't know if you've heard of that college or even aware, but it's right on the top looking down at the beach in California. It's gorgeous campus. Yeah. Yes, I didn't go there because they were going to teach me some, a, non, a non-Catholic Bible study. And I was having none of that. <laughs> none of that. It wasn't Catholic. It wasn't okay. So I, I went ahead and went to Cal Lutheran and, and enjoyed it for a while. And ended up moving to uh, Arizona. My parents moved to Arizona, so I, I went ahead and went with them. But before that, I also, um, like I said, I just continued with that. I went into beauty school, and I just was 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 enduring, just enjoying my life, but really never knowing Jesus, never really knowing Him. So, as a devout Catholic, you know, you you knew that something was missing in your relationship with God, but you weren't really sure what to do about it. You weren't experiencing a relationship with God in a real way. Uh, it was very, very religious. No. Um, so how did God draw you to himself along the way? And what was that journey for you? Well, that was kind of interesting because as a teenager, I had a little girlfriend who was going to a Protestant church. She brought me to her youth group and she had me pray the prayer of salvation with her. I took the little pamphlet home and I thought, oh, this is okay. You know, I'm Catholic. I'm going to heaven. I don't know, you know, we're not really, I just couldn't understand the purpose of that. You know, I had baptized and I was taking communion. I was okay. So I did it, but it didn't mean anything to me really. And then um, I moved to Arizona, as I just shared a minute ago, and met my husband there. And really from our first date, we just sort of clicked, which many of us probably do. But on our second date, we started talking about our faith. He really didn't have a specific church that he really loved, but he was definitely sold out on the Bible. And we, he totally was interested in praying. And so even from our second date, we prayed together every single date from our second date until to this day, we pray breakfast in, in the morning before breakfast and at night before we go to sleep. It just was natural for us. So then we said, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to church together. Well, he knew I was a devout Catholic. So every other Sunday, we would go to Catholic church. And the opposite Sunday, he would open the phone book, close his eye, and wherever his finger put, that's where we went to church. And I'm telling you, as long as a Christian church, we went to some churches and, and oh, so we couldn't settle on a church. <laughs> but we did end up going and, and saying, well, we'll just go ahead and be Catholic. My husband became Catholic for me. And we were comfortable just doing that for a while and, and getting involved in the church. I did little things, cleaning the church, became very close to the Catholic priests there, my husband and I, and then um, we had two children, and they were 10 months apart. 
So that was pretty, pretty wonderful. And we were just involved in our family, going to our little Catholic church, doing the little things there. And, and, and it was good. It was very good. But I was also um, very close to my parents and they love to water ski. So I've been water skiing since I was five years old. From April 1st to October 30th was a rule in my family that you went water skiing every single weekend. So I was a strong skier, not fancy, but strong, and hardly ever fell because, but I didn't go really fast either. I just well, moseyed along. I fell. And it, I didn't really feel like I hurt myself that bad. But when I looked in the rearview mirror, when we got in the car, my eye was really swollen up and the swelling didn't go away for two weeks. So I said to my husband, you know what? I think I need to go and see a doctor. Something's really wrong in my eye. So he takes me to this doctor. He takes the two kids. And I remember they're 10 months apart. They're two and three years old. They're just, they're just running around like little, like just adorable, but you know, they're, they're not settled in little well-behaved children. He's sitting in the, in the waiting room and I go in. And this optometrist throws a reader digest in my lap and he says, read it. Now, I, I don't know if my reading was poor. I'm not sure what was going on. But the next thing you know, he says, you have a tumor in your eye and you'll need to see an ophthalmologist. When he said that to me, it was like he kicked me in the stomach. My legs were like wet noodles. I had to get up. And so he said, you need to go and, and have another appointment in two weeks. They make me the appointment. I can barely walk out of that room. My legs are so noodle-like. And I have to tell my husband, because you know what? 30, 40 years ago, you died when you had a tumor in your brain. There wasn't going to be any hope. And I was scared. I really was scared. I can remember to this day how I felt that I would leave these two children. And two and three years old, no, I just couldn't see anybody wanting my children. My mother didn't even want to babysit. No one offered to babysit. My mother-in-law one day said to me, well, it's your birthday. Dad and I will watch the kids while you go to dinner and come right back. <laughs> they, were not, they weren't bad, but they just were very rambunctious. So every day then for two weeks, I put those children down to bed. And I sat between their rooms and I cried out to God every day, please, God, please don't let me die. Don't let me die because who will take these children? They'll get a wicked stepmother and she'll be mean to them and they won't, she won't love them. She won't understand them. I, I figured Dave must be a catch, obviously. In my <laughs> Somebody's going to want to marry him, <laughs> but they won't want my children. And I really, it just, I suffered. I suffered, frightened, frightened, frightened. The day before I was to go in to see the ophthalmologist, it was amazing. I'm crying out to God. And then I stopped. I just thought, okay, God, I must not be a very good mother. Maybe you have somebody really terrific that will really raise these children up to be mighty men and women of God. They'll be a terrific mother. And maybe I'm just not doing the job right. So I just release it to you, Lord. Have your will in your way. Whatever it's supposed to be, I just trust you. Jody, it was like a lightning bolt went right through my body. And I knew, I could hear a voice as loud as anything say, finally. I knew what he meant. Finally, Linda, you're giving you, you're giving me your life. You're not going to be Lord over your life anymore. You're allowing me to be Lord over it, master of your life. And I thought, wow. So I was at total peace. Got up the next morning, went to that doctor. This was also incredible. He looks into my eye, this ophthalmologist, and he says, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm saying, look again, look again. 
I'm sure there's something there. And he's going, you are fine, Mrs. Morrison. I have like this clean bill of health. I'm going to live. I'm super excited. Go home with my family. We're celebrating. But the next day and for the next two weeks, I called this doctor every single day. I saw a little bubble on my eyelid. I, I think I saw a little, maybe I have a little extra blood in my a vein is kind of reddish. He said, Mrs. Morrison, you were fine. You were fine, Mrs. Morrison, every, every single day for two weeks. Well, actually for 13 days, he said I was fine. And on the 14th day, he said to me, Mrs. Morrison, I am absolutely sure you are healthy. There is nothing wrong with you. However, I am not so sure about your psychiatric health. <laughs> I, was, I said, oh, and I hung up and I never called him again. And I realized I was still walking in fear. I wasn't trusting the Lord. But wow, things started popping after that. When I started trusting the Lord, everything changed. Everything changed. I'd be driving down the street with the kids in the car thinking, oh no, I've, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Or, or, you know, my dad's showing up and he's always on time and I'm running late and I won't be there in time. And my heart would start pounding, you know, I'm very anxious to be that obedient child. And I'd hear the Lord say, he's going to be late. And I'd be arguing with the Lord. No, you know, he's always on time. He'll be on time. No, it's going to be okay. Take your time. Follow me. Turn left, turn right, whatever it was. When I would follow the Lord, it was like, shoo, everything was amazing. My life just totally changed. It was amazing. So God used that incident, that scary incident, to bring you to the end of yourself, but right into his love. I mean, you experienced it immediately when your eye was pronounced perfect. How did that change your relationship with God? I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but in the midst of being a wife and a mother, how did you actually grow? in your relationship with Jesus? Well, I was super excited and I got invited to some Bible studies with other women. And I just, I just took every opportunity to grow in the word because that's something, you know, the Catholic church just does not, or they didn't, I won't say they don't now, they didn't emphasize in that time. And so when other Protestants were inviting me to their Bible studies, I started taking advantage of it. I also joined Bible study fellowship. I joined the Glow prayer groups in my area. I couldn't get enough of Jesus and of the word. And I was like, wait a minute. For example, for me, and I'm not putting anybody down, please believe me, but I learned that all those years that I was having no meat on Fridays and thinking that I was a sinning if I swallowed a piece, all of a sudden I was like, that isn't really a sin. This isn't really, this and that. I was so set free. And so my time alone with the Lord was so valuable to grow and just really eat the word. I just wanted to just have more and more of him. So then time passed and we had moved now from Arizona to California and we were sort of on our own. I was joining more prayer groups. I was a part more of, of other go groups. I also, uh, my aunt was very strong and I'd lived by my aunt now. She was very strong in her face. So I was just continuing to grow and pray. And it was, it was really wonderful. But something else then happened that was kind of interesting was um, I found a lump in my throat. So that was like, oh my gosh. So I went to the doctor for that one. But this time I was at peace. My husband was really upset about it. Oh my gosh, you have a lump in your throat. It could be cancer. I went through that as a totally different person. Absolutely different. And truthfully, at that time too, I was also skiing a lot. We would do snow skiing. I knew my life had changed and I was walking with Jesus because of this. When I'd go to fall down in the snow, when I'd be skiing down a hill, 
I would always, before David and I, I would yell, David, come get me. Not anymore. I was yelling, Jesus. That's when I knew my life had totally changed. I wasn't, not that I didn't love Dave, or didn't I think he couldn't be my hero anymore. But my first words out of any moment of, of something that would be frightening and he always came through. After we were there in California uh, for about a few years, David was transferred to Pennsylvania. We were pretty excited about that. And oh, I did have to have the lump taken out of my throat. That did have to happen, even though I knew it turned out not to be cancer whatsoever. They did take that out. And that was right after, just before we moved to Pennsylvania. And we bought this beautiful home in Pennsylvania, coming from California now. It was amazing. I, if you've ever been to the Northeast, a lot of the homes are colonial, but I really was used to contemporary style homes. So when I moved, everybody was saying, I don't think you're going to be happy. They're all colonial style homes. And I said, I'm supposed to go. There's going to be there one for me. You won't believe this, but I'm, we're driving down the street by the kids of school. And I said to my husband, turn down the street. And when we did, again, it says right and left, God telling you, talking to you softly. Not that it's amazing. I looked and I said, I see this house for sale. I said to Dave, that's my house. The next day, we hadn't even gone to a real estate agent. The next day, that's the first house the real estate agent showed me. And it turned out to be a pastor who built that house. It was a custom home. It was built. He had built that house. And he had told us later on that God had told him nine months before to build a contemporary home. A California couple was coming. Unbelievable. Everybody had told him, don't waste your money. <laughs> But we came and we loved the house and we became a part of their church. And that was an amazing experience that we really, really grew with them. Um, there were definitely people who believed in God in every area, trusting in him for healing. Trust. I so grew. The Catholic church, we sort of just completely left behind. We only went to this church and grew, grew, grew in faith and what God was doing and um it was really neat. And then and then I ended up again becoming part of a glow. And now I'm the treasurer of this a glow group. And it was it was really good, but I never wanted to be the president because the president had to actually pray over people. Now I loved praying for people, but I, what I didn't like was when they gave me their details. Like if they had a sore toe, I would get a sore toe talking to them. <laughs> And, and I didn't like that at all. I was like, oh, so then when people start telling me about their, 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 I'd say, oh, oh, that's enough. That's enough. I'll pray for you. No worries. And I would, but if they went into detail, <laughs> oh, I just really didn't want to hear it. <laughs> so when I was in an aglow meeting and I was so happy one day, just doing like, again, doing only the treasurer job, we were talking to the um, speaker. We always had a guest speaker. And the guest speaker had said, you know, she was talking and talking. And then suddenly one of the people were talking about their health issues. Well, I started being funny and saying, you know, you guys, I can't handle that. I can't, I don't want to hear all the details. And I was just being humorous, not being cruel, just lightly as they knew that I didn't like to hear the details. That speaker pointed her finger at me and she said, do you know why? Do you know why you start getting a pain in your toe when other people are telling you about their toe? And I said, no, why? And she said, because you are an intercessor. You are feeling their pain. You are so committed and, and just like Jesus taking on the feelings of other people. He took them to the cross. He said, she said, you're having those because you're identifying with them. But after you give it to Jesus, you can let it go. It's not yours. I was transformed that day. I didn't, 
I didn't carry it anymore and I could hear people. And the next thing you know, I was the president of the chapter of a glow in Pennsylvania. So I loved it and I loved praying for people. And it was just an amazing time for me to now have people come in line and, and lay hands and pray for them. But just think how much I didn't want to actually hear those things. And that was the very thing I was supposed to be doing. And Linda, you also started teaching some Bible studies using John Blackaby's experience in God. Why, why that study? I mean, what principles from that book really transformed your relationship with the Lord? I love that book because it really does talk about joining God with what he's doing. When you see what he's doing, ask God where you fit. And that's exactly what happened in my life because he is doing great things. It's just like in a glow. I was to be the president of that a group. I was supposed to pray for people. So I saw what was going on. But until I spent the time in prayer seeking God, did I not know where my position was to actually pray for people? All through everything, any time in my life, if you watch what's going on and you are praying and seeking God's face, you, you hear his voice. You say, oh, and you fit right in. Doors open and it just fits. You just fit. It's really, really important to me to watch what's going on and to pray and to seek God where I'm supposed to help out. And I, and that's what really, really touched my heart in that book. It's really talking about, he was, they were building a church, uh, Henry Blackaby and Claude King. And Claude King turned out to be a very close friend of mine. Later on, I had an opportunity to meet him personally. But it's, it's extremely important that you keep your eyes open. It's really important to see where you're going to fit into things, to, to do what God's called you to do. Yeah. And that really leads to the next part. I mean, as your children were getting older, the Lord began to call you aside during the day to spend more time with him. That's exactly right. Share, share about that. That was very strange. I would um, take the kids to school at 730 in the morning. And then I do, you know, obviously now I'm a glow president. I am teaching Bible studies. And in fact, really, I had three Bible studies a week. I had the one with the women with experiencing God. We had the couples Bible study on Friday nights. And then my husband and I did one in for the youth group at our church. So I was really a busy person plus having my own home and, and to clean and, and take care of. I would be walking by my blue chair. All of a sudden, I'd hear the Holy Spirit say, come sit down. I can promise you this. I would be four and five hours in that chair in prayer. And it felt like just a few minutes. I would get up. Things got done. I have no idea how everything just sort of fell in place. My house was still clean. My food was still on the table. My kids were still picked up on time. It was like it was, it was, it was so amazing to just be in that, that moment with God. I just praying and, and being in his presence. Oh my gosh, I loved it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So yes, that was transforming for me. Four and five hours a day, almost every day of the week. Mm -hmm. Yes. And out of those times with the Lord, God birthed in you a desire to offer a prayer line, something that you were, you know, hands off a few years before. <laughs> no, not me. But now God's saying, Linda, I want you to offer a prayer line. How did he do that? What was that story? What, what, what's behind that? Well, that's a, a wonderful opportunity there. Um, let me share that. So I was in a glow. I was the president of a glow, my chapter. So there was about 70 people in our chapter in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was very close to the woman who was the state prayer coordinator over Pennsylvania. 
And she and I had done many little prayer things throughout the Harrisburg area, praying on mountaintops for the cities and all of those things. And she called me and offered me this wonderful opportunity to uh, be the prayer person liaison to the Capitol in Harrisburg, to the senators and the House of Representatives, you know, and to go in and say, I'm Linda Morrison, I'm representing Nia Glow. Can I pray for you? You know, what an honor, right? But at that exact same time, um, I was also noticing something unusual, and I will just give you a little background to this. Where we lived in Harrisburg, or we actually lived in Mechanicsburg, there was this little area, and it was kind of countryish, you know, and the, the area was really a normal little suburb, but you had to come down this little country road to get out of that area. And almost every day I drove past this little, like, house. It was an older house. There was no grass ever. There was a giant, I mean, huge, old oak tree in the middle of the property. The drapes were always closed. There was a dusty old truck in the, in the yard. But there were signs of life, and that was they had barbed wire around this, not barbed wire, excuse me, they had chicken wire around this tree. And it probably went out about three or four feet in a big circle around the tree. And every day, those they had fake sheep, they had fake goat, excuse me, fake sheep, a pig, and, and geese in that little pen. And they would move them. They were fake. They would move them around every day. So <laughs> I would have to look over to see where they were every single day. You never saw anybody in front of the house, no matter what time of day you went out. Totally closed drapes. But at Valentine's Day, there were little um, construction paper hearts and in the windows. And at Easter, little plastic eggs hung from the tree. I don't know who would do that, but that's what it was. Uh, it was fascinating to me. And every day I would make up stories in my mind. Who is in there? I wonder if it's a little girl that lives in that house. I would just make up things in my mind. Drive by. At that same time that I am being asked to do this wow, powerful thing at the capital of Harrisburg in, in uh, Pennsylvania, they're gone. Suddenly, those animals are picked up and gone. The truck is gone. No more life in that house at all. And I felt devastated. Why didn't I ever knock on that door? I prayed for so many people at my church. We went out and did all these ministries with a glow. Why didn't I ever knock on that door? See if they needed help. Did they need somebody to go to the grocery store? Did they know Jesus? I don't know. Did they stay home and watch TV all day in the dark? I have no idea still to this day. But when I saw that, I, I was, again, devastated. I was talking to my friend about it. We were having lunch at a, at a little coffee shop. And the vision just came to me just like that. Oh, my gosh. I needed to start a prayer line. I needed to have a prayer line for people who don't go outside of their house. Who prays for those people who don't go to church? Who prays for those people who find out they have cancer? They have nobody. So, yes. It was an honor to go to the Capitol and pray. But there's the pastors there, all kind of people go there. But who's there for those people that are in, indoors, inside their house? So this is what the Lord showed me. Get volunteers, get a phone line, be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I told my vision to the pastors. I had about 35 pastors that I knew through a glow. They loved the idea. I went to Fox News. 
and I said, this is what I want to do. They helped me for free make commercials. We had to pay. The pastors paid to put the commercials on TV. And we had commercials that said, God cares and so do we. Only God holds your future and only God can change it. And at that same time, don't forget, the psychics were on TV. It was 1997. They were going strong. So Fox News and some of the others that we were on carried our commercials, like Jerry, Judge Judy, Jerry Springer. When those commercials came on for psychics, we were on right after that. So we were on those commercials, and it was wonderful. People started calling us. Oh, my gosh, the salvations that happened. People that had spent, one lady had spent $800 a month. Now, imagine that's over almost 20 years ago. It is 20 years ago. Spent $800 a month on psychics. We even had a gentleman, oh, I, I don't know if you have time for this story, but it is an amazing story of a young man who was one of the psychics on the televisions who met me at Staples. When he found out what I did, he said, I can't believe that I'm meeting you. He said, I called your number and I got saved. So that wow. was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. He saw it on the commercial. He said, and, and he was talking to his demons and he felt like they were going to kill him. And he decided that he called the prayer line instead. So God did a divine appointment with him there too. One of the pastors was actually on the phone that night. So he got saved. It was amazing. Wow. It was an, a wonderful time. And we did a lot of, of good work for that. Yes, we yeah. did. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, friends, there are a lot of people all over the world who need to experience a tangible expression of God's love. Some, like widows as well as orphans, they have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the widow and orphan tab at the top of the page. Now, Linda, you stepped out in faith to start that prayer line, and God brought you a group of pastors and Fox News and others to help you get that going. But that initial prayer line was limited in your area, um, in several states around you. Right. Uh, but after a few years, the support for it dwindled. Why? What happened? And, and what, did, what did you learn from that? Well, exactly what I said. I had all these volunteers from Aglow. And we were doing really well as being the better alternative to the psychic network. I felt that these commercials were getting into those homes where people never left uh, their home and stayed home all the time. But um, when the psychics started getting sued on television, then our insurance company also felt that they did not want to carry us anymore. And our pastors, when we talked about it and our board said, well, our job is done. God's finished. We don't have to be this any, do this anymore. And I was really relieved, quite frankly. It was a lot running that. And of course, it was never as big as this because it was a limited area, just little bits of Ohio, little bits of, of Pennsylvania, some of you know Maryland and that. But it was not the extent that we have now. But I'm telling you, I was exhausted. And so I was glad to close it. However, two months later, we had 9-11. Mm. And again, I was just so sad because I closed the prayer line. And now I could have been there with some business cards and all kinds of things to, to minister. I had over 100 volunteers that could have been praying for people. And I couldn't go because I didn't have my team. I had nothing. And I said to the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm grateful. Billy Graham is there and many pastors are there. They probably don't need me. But I want to be there if I ever, ever get another chance to start this program.
back to the Lord, just calling me back to just being alone with him in prayer for my kids were off in school and stuff. So yeah, I but a few years later, you moved to Florida and God prompted you to get that prayer line started again. This time, yes. it really took off. Share a little about how that happened, the tremendous Eggs. growth you've seen. And remember, this is all as you're working as a volunteer from your home. You don't have a big ministry backing you up. Yes. No. We did not. We did not. Um, before it was the, the pastors. And then, as I say, we closed. Occasionally, if I needed extra money, Dave would give it to me. But honestly, we just did that then. And then, but we were close. So now we moved to Florida. Dave's kind of retired. And um, we're looking for church. And while we're looking for church, we meet this pastor. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a prayer line here. You're just putting a sign in front of our church and saying, you know, here we have prayer. And I said, well, I just so happened to already have a manual written, you know, and prayers put together and I could help you. So here's my, again, I'm experiencing God. I'm spending time. I'm looking around of what God's doing and I'm now joining God. Now at the time I didn't think about it that way, but now that we're talking about it, it falls into place. You're looking around, where, where's the need? How can I fill it? So we opened that prayer line. However, interestingly enough, it's very expensive because in those days, there wasn't the technology that we have now. So in order to have a prayer line from home so that all the volunteers could be at home as well and not have a prayer center, we needed to use an answering service. So that really was an, an additional cost. So we were with our church for about three months until we met Daniel Bernard from Somebody Cares in uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I'm feeling like I'd like to have a prayer line. <laughs> I said, great. <laughs> My pastor was like, go, this is really expensive. <laughs> So, so we still were the prayer line for our church, but then we came under Daniel Bernard and Daniel changed a few things, which was really nice. He came up with the idea of having the referral part of our ministry so that we meet the felt needs of people, just like Jesus. He prayed, but he also fed the 5,000. He knew they were hungry and he did that. It was powerful. So we added that to our ministry and we were working with Somebody Cares in uh, Tampa Bay and Daniel Bernard. And it was, it was a wonderful time. After about, and I think I met you, that was the first time I met you, but we were not part of Somebody Cares America yet. And so, um, but then Daniel, after a couple of years, said, Linda, this ministry is too expensive. <laughs> and I said, I know. So at, again, here's another divine appointment. I'm at Somebody Cares uh, Pasco County with Daniel and um, just presenting, you know, the ministry, always looking for volunteers and those kinds of things. Because You need a lot of volunteers to run this ministry 24-7. And I, I talked to Dan and he said, you know who you need to talk to? You need to talk to the Joy FM. I bet they'd like to have a prayer line. And they were super excited about it. They said, yes, we want to have a prayer line. So then we just began to become part of Joy FM. And everything just started really going quickly, very quickly. Joy FM was advertising us in here in Florida. And then with their affiliates in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, um, and um, Missouri. Now, I think they're also in Alabama. So we really got a lot of exposure for volunteers, as well as just people calling us. As um, And in addition, they had um, the uh, apps. So we were really beginning to grow and meeting people from around the world, actually, 
because of their apps, people call all over. And then during that time, I also re-met Doug Stringer. And that, that was really cool because he said, Linda, I want to donate some money and, and plant seed into your ministry. And I wrote him a little note thanking him. And the next thing you know, I was part of your ministry. <laughs> but it's been amazing all the different ways that I didn't, I didn't go looking. This guy just kept yeah. So, I mean, you were looking at what really God was doing, but you weren't looking timeline. for your own. Yeah. You were saying, God, how do you want me to fit into yes. your plan? Which is really no. what we're all called to do. We're all part of the body of Christ. And if the body's going one way, we yeah. need to go with it, right? Not go off on our own little tangent. So I know, Linda, you have thousands of testimonies exactly. of how God has used the prayer line in people's lives. So you can't recount them all. And I know we could talk for hours about them, but just share three or four memorable calls and what God did. <laughs> Let me just say an overview first. We, you're right. We have some amazing miracles of tumors dissolving, diseases being healed, marriages restored, coma patients waking up, all of that running, running away, children coming back instantly when they call. And it's just been wonderful. But some of the things that touch my heart are just small little things. Like some of the churches that we work with may have a little business card and they have the, their, their people in their church carry around this little business card and it has the number for their church with their own phone number. And they call and they'll say, was this a divine appointment? Did this, was this God that I found this in the gutter or, or on, a, on a bus bench? And we've been able to just, just bring those people to salvation. One particular guy, he was super excited. He finds our number. He knows it's a God thing, gives his life to Christ, makes the volunteer stay on the phone because he says, I want to flush down the toilet. All of my drugs don't hang up. So she had to flushing the toilet. But praise the Lord, he stayed and he continued. And a lot of the things that we are able to do is when somebody does give their life to Christ, we try to make sure that they get into some kind of a discipleship program. So that's been excited, exciting. We had just recently two young girls in Chicago who called us. Oh my gosh, they were being attacked by gang members, really harassed, harassed, harassed. They were hiding in a hotel room. Their sister did not make it to the hotel room and had only 14 years old, was raped by these, these young men. Since she got back to the room, they were trying to take care of her and watch over her. They called the prayer line. They were so upset, bless their little hearts. We were able to pray with them, but we didn't just leave it there. That's the part of our referral team that really was part of what Daniel had come up with. Our referral team immediately jumped into action. We were able to call someone that was able to go and pick those girls up, take them to a safe house. We found out that they, they received Christ. They were gotten into a new home in another state. They're in a church and had jobs and were able to take care of their 14-year-old sister. Those are things that are miracles that we were able to do. Absolutely wonderful. And all they had done was look up the prayer line and call the prayer line. So God just moved mightily. It was, it was blessings. Another recent one was the girl that was had just been uh, in set. This is a very interesting story. The girls were having, uh, were eating, drinking, and not drinking alcohol, but just having iced tea and a little lunch at a restaurant. And one of the girls after lunch had been taken into traf sex trafficking. They had stolen her. They followed her home and took her. It was quite an interesting story. Anyway, she did escape. And when she did escape, she stole somebody's phone and she just called into Siri and she said, Siri, I need prayer. 
She didn't even want to call the police. This is the interesting part. This has happened more than once where people who are in trouble do not call the police first. They think that the prayer line, I'm thrilled that they look to God first. When we heard this, we prayed with her and then we continued to stay in contact with her and got the FBI involved and she was rescued. Those are like powerful things to do for children and that are in trouble. That doesn't happen every day, but we have some very great opportunities to help people. Um, sometimes they don't want to call the cops. Who knows what they're doing that they don't want to have, have um, exposed. Or like this young girl thinking, uh, one of the girls that called us one time, she was afraid that the police were in on what was happening to her. So she was afraid for us to call the police. So there's a lot of times where people call us for miracles and, and prayer and just for peace. And God does something even more. So you've had many, many people pray sal- the salvation prayer, receive Jesus, and then you've been able to connect them with churches where they're growing in the Lord. It's stories go on and on and on, which like I said, we don't have time for them all. Uh, but God is so, so good. And now, Linda, after hearing those stories, some of our listeners to this story might want to get involved and volunteer for the prayer line. Might, they might have been saying, God, what are you doing? How can I get involved? So how can they get information and join you, Linda? I would love that. Now, you don't always get all the scary calls like those two calls. And there's lots of different kinds of calls we prevented. Uh, lots of things have happened. But I will say it's extremely rewarding. And the volunteers love it. They love it because it is rewarding. And many of them have said to me, Linda, I got more out of this being on the prayer line than I have anywhere else and more than I give out. So if you are interested, please email Linda at yourprayerteam.com. And our onboarding team will get back with you. They'll answer your questions. There's all kinds of information. And there is a training, and that's the beauty of it. Um, if you're called to prayer and you love to pray or you're afraid to hear the, the, the stories, it's still probably your calling. Uh, we're all called to pray and minister. But um, we, will, we will train you. And it is not a scary thing. It is, it's an honor to, to hear people's concerns and lift them up. And there's so many people hurting today, as we all know. A lot of people are not going to church. And even when they do go to church, many of the churches I'm learning because of our prayer line are not praying for people. They don't have, uh, you see it on TV that you see these big prayer lines, but in general, a lot of smaller churches, a lot of churches don't have prayer. And so we haven't opened this door of opportunity to pray. And, and I found out that several people that were in their own churches and everybody thought they were already saved were not. They don't want to go up front and tell anybody. So this is a great opportunity for salvations. We receive a lot of salvations. Um, it's a great opportunity for ministry. I think of it as a missionary, missionary field. It truly is. So give your email again, and we will have this email in our show notes. So if you're listening and you want to get involved, check out our show notes. But Linda, say the email again. It's Linda at yourprayerteam.com, yourprayerteam.com. So listeners, there's volunteer opportunities right there. If you feel a nudge from the Lord, you need to email Linda and get involved. There's lots of things, lots of ways you can help. You can be on the the prayer receiving end. You could even be on the referral team to help with those uh, who need more assistance after they call. So Linda, you've had some ups and downs in life. Um, It hasn't all been roses for you, Uh, just like everybody else. How have you made it through? Well, I truly, absolutely have to stay positive. For the things that we hear on the prayer line, the depression, the people are going through hard, hard times, 
you could just get weighed down. And even with my own life, I have a grandchild who is special needs and they said that she would never, she would never walk. She would never do anything but get out of bed. But God made miracles in her life by staying positive. Um, we have to believe God is a miracle working God. I have to always be in prayer. I have to look at God's word and see the, the just positive things and not allow the enemy to say, well, this happened. You know, this must be a spiritual warfare time. This happened. But I don't want to give the enemy any glory. But I get to see God moving and see the miracles. So my eyes are always looking at Jesus and the miracles and believing that. It's not easy. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm just, you know, but I do. I really have a happy personality. And I really want to stay focused on what Jesus does and see that joy and victory in Jesus. I'm totally sold out that God is always working everything together for good, no matter what it is. I really do. Yeah. So it's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of believing God's word and believing that what he says is true. Absolutely. I hang on his word, his promises always hanging on his promises. It's true. I do. I say Psalms 91 over my family every single day. I'm, I'm just, my husband and I do every single morning and night as part of our prayer. I'm praying Psalm 91 as we sleep and Psalm 91 as we go throughout the day. And also David and I take communion every day together as well. I just don't think there's any better place than to be in Jesus. He wants a relationship with us. That's why he created us. Prayer is just a relationship. He's our best friend. Jesus is our best friend and it is worth developing the very best friend you can have is Jesus. So Linda, as we close, would you share about a woman in the Bible who's inspired or encouraged or taught you something? I loved Esther. Um, I love the fact that she was very obedient to her uncle. She was also obedient to the um, gentleman who took care of her uh, that was watching over the women in the harem. She said, what should I do? What should I bring to see the king? She was obedient. She didn't think she had it all. She was humble. She sought that wise counsel. She thought of others more than herself. When it was time, she could have stayed in that castle and never revealed who she was, but she was honest and she did what she was supposed to do. I loved how she prayed fervently. She had everybody praying with her to get this done. And she waited on God. She didn't try to push things herself. Waiting God, God's timing is extremely important. Again, we're looking at what God's doing, and then we join him. If she would have revealed what she wanted to do the first night she had dinner, I wonder if it would have worked as well, because it was then that he started building those gallows. If you remember, he built the gallows. Those were finished when she had him over for dinner the second night. She didn't know what was going on. That She had to wait for the gallows to be built. She just waited on God to say, now's the time. I love that. I love that about her. So that's why I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that too. You know, I referenced uh, Ephesians three nineteen earlier in the conversation, and that came that came from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. That verse is just one part of a prayer that he prayed for them and and us. Uh, but there's more to that prayer. Ephesians three sixteen through nineteen says. I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts and you you will trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how high, how long, how deep is his love. 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that that comes from God. You know, God's love for you, dear friend, is also wide and long and high and deep. And God wants you to experience him through his love for you. He longs to call you aside and have an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to join him in what he's doing. He wants to answer your questions, meet your needs, and fill you with peace and joy. Linda, would you take a moment and pray for our listeners? I do want to encourage everyone. It doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you are doing it for the Lord. It's amazing. Um, As you just look around, even in my own neighborhood, we've done things in my neighborhood to bless the neighbors. Uh, Just there's always opportunities. And so, Father God, I ask you to bless every single one of our listeners. Lord, we're all called to something different. When we think of my grandmother, who just was a happy, just a, a, a precious woman of God who just took care of her family. She never did any work anywhere or did anything or, or, or led anything in her, in, her, in her church even ministry, Lord God, nothing. But she had a goal, and that was just to, to help me to grow up to be a woman of compassion and to love you. Lord Jesus, each one of us has a place. You wrote in your book, in Psalm 139, it says you, you wrote in your book about us. You sang over us. You have a plan for us. So, Lord, don't let anyone feel like less than, but rather that they, you're putting them in that place. Let them open their eyes to look around and see what you're doing and have the confidence to just go forward so that you can use them. Give them that opportunity to spend time alone with you, Lord. To tell people that I've spent five hours a day sounds unimaginable. But Lord God, you will call them into the very thing they're supposed to do. And I know you will. I know you will, Lord. And I just bless them, each woman and each even men who would hear me today, that they will completely be rejoicing that they are in your plan, safe in your will, doing what you have them to do building a relationship with you and serving you every day of their life with joy. I ask this in Jesus' name. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. Cover them with protection and joy and peace in you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and the other information that we talked about. And don't forget to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional on women of the Bible that you can download for free. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week Her God Story devotional for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider starting a Her God Story podcast club. You can find more information at hergodstory.org. We'd love to pray with you, and so would Linda, at our 24-7 prayer and text line. Now you know more about it, so give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.